The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com I'm Neil Zacharias and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. The concept of vegan mayo might be pretty common today, but back in the 1970s, it was considered an obscure product only hippies would use. To the company Follow Your Heart, making eggless mayo wasn't about making it big or cashing out. It was part of their larger goal to make healthy, sustainable food available to anyone who wanted it. To achieve this, Bob Goldberg and his three co-founders opened a market and restaurant in Canoga Park, California, nearly 47 years ago. Since then, the company has transformed into a thriving consumer packaged goods business. Today we know Follow Your Heart as the company that not only makes veginase, but a variety of vegan cheeses and salad dressings, as well as a vegan egg product that scrambles like the real thing. With the growing popularity of the plant-based food industry, Follow Your Heart has received many buyout offers and has been approached by numerous venture capitalists. But Bob has stood by his decision to stay independent and grow on their own terms. I recently had the chance to speak with Bob Goldberg in Follow Your Heart's headquarters and learn more about how they have managed to stay true to who they are and stay relevant as the food industry evolved. Follow Your Heart has been Bob's lifelong passion and to this day he sits in on product tasting meetings and brainstorms and takes a great interest in the people who work for him. In our chat, Bob shares the secrets of how he helped the business grow and even teases some new products that will be on the market very soon. I have met few people as genuine as Bob Goldberg and I get the sense that even though nearly half a century has gone by since Follow Your Heart started, he is still true to the path and goals that he had back in the early days. Whether you're an entrepreneur yourself or passionate about the past, present, and future of vegan food, Bob's take on building a business with a mission to make people and the planet healthier is sure to leave you inspired and energized. Bob Goldberg, thank you so much for uh, doing this with us and thanks for being on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Hi, Neil. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. So Follow Your Heart, the store is now about 47 years old. Um, I think I'm right on that. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and uh, your flagship product, Veginase, just turned 40 this year. Correct. Um, so this is, a, this is a big year in, uh, in that sense because there's never been more conversations and uh, hype and discussions around plant-based foods than is now um, this year and the last few years. Looking back at the last 47 odd years, would you have ever imagined that a day would come when vegan products uh, or plant-based foods were as talked about as they are right now in the food industry at large? Honestly, I, I don't think so. Um, looking back at my, my own personal history, uh, in the early days, I thought vegan was pretty weird. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know and now I am one. So uh, either I've gotten weirder or yeah. <laughs> it's become more, more mainstream. Yeah, no, vegan is that, I mean, I thought it was weird and that was just seven years ago uh, until I, I kind of decided that was that was the kind of food I wanted to eat and that's how I wanted to be. But we've reached a point, I think, in the last, um, seems like only the last six or seven years where um, it isn't so weird and it is, um, 
to the point where now you go to any natural food um, expo um, or any food conference and everyone's talking about the future of food and for the most part the future of food is uh, largely plant-based and um, I think you've been a pioneer in that sense you but but in, but you didn't do it because you saw the market opportunity you decided to do it because you felt this is the right thing to do um, can you tell us a little bit more about your the start of the groceries the store follow your heart and your decision to then expand those products into branded products that most people are now more familiar with um, in terms of Eginase and other um, non-dairy products that you have out there. You know, uh, I think it's fair to say that we didn't see this coming and that we did get into it because it was simply something we believed in. Uh, if we believed that killing animals was wrong uh, for whatever reason that you know th that made it very easy for us to want to do a a vegetarian restaurant it wasn't intended to uh, become a big enterprise we were just doing what uh, our conscience dictated was right for us and that's why we called the store follow your heart in the first place mm -hmm. so um Today's another, it's, it's a very, very different story. Um, uh, our mission has, has shifted much more from internally doing just what we were comfortable with to um, seeing it as a mission and as a service to provide uh, a, a variety of products that will make it easier for people to make that choice if they so choose. Mm -hmm. um, in the early days, uh, there was very, very little. We, I mean, we essentially started in what was a really old school health food store. It wasn't even natural food. It wasn't even a term that was used. <laughs> they were health food stores. And there wasn't much there. There were some teas and uh, vitamins. And uh, at that time, the store that we were operating out of sold meat. We didn't own it, but it sold meat. Uh, 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 sandwiches that were made there had alfalfa sprouts on them, mm -hmm. and you know it was, and whole wheat buns. And it was, uh, it, it's hard to imagine in today's world, uh, for younger people, how limited the offering was then, and and in terms of the consciousness of people, consumers, I think, uh, you know, health food was wheat germ and yogurt and uh, you know today uh, we, well we we just saw that there was so much that wasn't available and while we created initially products just for our own use in the restaurant uh, it wasn't really long before it was apparent that uh, they had a much broader audience than that yeah yeah and you've done that you did that for around 40 plus years um, and in the last few years, with all the new um, brands and entrants into the plant-based food space, non whether it's dairy-free cheeses or um, uh, of vegan mayo, for example, how has that impacted your focus? Did you, in the last few years, obviously with all this conversation around the, the innovation in the industry, did it change your focus in any way? Were you looking at what was happening around you now and thinking, wait, we need to um, rethink some of our products or our marketing or focus a little bit more on innovation? You know, uh, in, again, going back to when we decided to start making products, mm -hmm. I started with a list, you know, of all the things that uh, I wished were there. And uh, we started very slowly, uh, starting with Veginase and making that. And, um, over time, what, what has changed is that with so many entrants into the market and so many other people out there working on their lists, there are a lot of things on my list that other people get to before I do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I'll then cross that off and put something new on there because uh, I'm, I'm interested in what I'm interested in, what I see as where follow your heart can add value to uh, a an un 
met need, uh, um, something that uh, a fair number of consumers are looking for. Um, and that's not always the most consumers. Mm -hmm. So what, what I have found is gratifying to me personally is when we're able to produce something which fulfills a need that someone has, something that they have been unable to have for mm -hmm. maybe their whole lives. And then we come out with that. Well, people really appreciate something like that. And that appreciation comes back to me. I get lots of love, <laughs> you know, most, most of which uh, is, is due to good work that's done by, by people mm -hmm. here, but I, I get to collect it. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> and uh, it's nice. It makes being in this business very satisfying. Yeah. So, I mean, your, your look at your view on products is, um, is so, um, I mean, definitely different, but it, lo it comes from a place of, um, it seems to come from a place of honesty. As in, you're just trying to do what, in some ways, you were always doing, and you just had a chance to turn that into a store and then a company that creates products and sells them across the country and the world. And um, you, in some ways, are doing the same thing now, but looking to innovate in a way that answers the needs of people rather than innovation for the sake of innovation. Yes. Um, yes. But you've had the advantage, and this is something I think about a lot, talking with uh, some of the newer companies versus um, uh, ones like Follow Your Heart that have been around for a while, is a lot of people say the stories like Follow Your Heart or other similar to this um, are really hard to come by these days because you had the luxury to grow at your own pace. Um, which to some extent I think anyone has even now, but if you were starting Follow Your Heart, say in the year 2017, uh, given what you now know or can observe in the food industry, uh, given all the excitement over plant-based foods, the more people that are cutting down on meat and dairy, would you do things differently today? If you were, to, you would, you were a startup now, um, would you first run and raise a round of money? Would you start slow and then, you know, just follow your heart and see what happens with that? You know, there are a fair amount of people. That's a really good question. Good question. Um, who are at that crossroads in their, in their lives. And they ask me that question directly. Um, it's, a little bit difficult in the sense that I only have the one experience. I yeah. have the other experience, except uh, vicariously hearing other people's stories. But uh, I have to say the other way is not very appealing to me. And I uh, usually advise people um, that they're, they're better off going slow, uh, not necessarily risking everything uh, not necessarily giving it away before it's even come into being. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, certainly uh, to follow your, their hearts and not the money, mm -hmm. um, unless that's the objective. You know? if, it's, if it's about the money, then I suppose it makes sense uh, to structure the business plan so that uh, you work X number of years and get paid out and move on to the next thing. I come from a generation that didn't change jobs every few years. You know, it was, it is a different perspective. Mm -hmm. You, you, you chose a career path. You went on that for, for life. For me, that's still extremely satisfying because I've been enormously fortunate that, um, I fell into what I fell into and I love it and mm -hmm. I still love it. Um, so if I did it again today, it, uh, I wouldn't change it, no. Wow. And do you think it's really helped you have not only a successful business, obviously, that has grown over the decades, but it's probably given you, safe to say, the kind of satisfaction you were hoping to get out of running your own business and watching it grow. Um, how much of this has to do with just your personal goals at the end of the day? When you were at a point where it was clear follow your heart was was expanding and growing and going beyond just um, the grocery store and there was more demand for your products at retailers. 
how did you resist the temptation to then uh, say, wait, we can be, we can grow, we can grow 50% next year, but if we only had uh, $10 million more dollars, we could grow 500%. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, maybe not, you're not exactly faced that situation, but you've, you've been tempted by opportunities like that as any growing business does get tempted. Um, what has made you stick with your plan to do it this way? Uh, was it the fear of the unknown or um, you just were very clear on what it is that you wanted? It was about gaining a certain amount of clarity. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there, there came a time when we were receiving so many uh, offers um, that we had to give it some serious consideration and we uh, uh, brought in some financial advisors who rather than you know telling us what to think kind of took us through the process and as a part of that process we got to a point where they asked us well what would you sell for if somebody offered you x mm -hmm. dollars would that be enough no okay well if somebody offered you and then they would double the number or you know <laughs> and ultimately it got up to ridiculous numbers and um As a part of that process, my partner and I came to understand that uh, if all of a sudden we didn't have to come into work every day and our bank accounts would be humongous, mm -hmm. that that would have no positive impact on our lives. So why would we want to do that? You know, I, I, we, we live good lives already. We, we have available to us um, the best food on the planet. We're surrounded by people who we love and who love us. Um, we live comfortably. We have work that's meaningful. Um, uh, we have health. We have pretty much everything you could mm -hmm. ask for except more money and that's uh, it, it became very clear that that is a very uh at least for the two of us and i don't i, I can't make this judgment for other people mm -hmm. there are there are things that you can do with a lot of money you mm -hmm. can do good with a lot of money yeah i i personally um for me that calculus is is not with the money it's it's with the personal satisfaction i get f for doing the the work that i and privileged to do every day. Right. Yeah. So it's safe to say you're still very uh, grateful for the chance to even do what you do now, and that love for what you do has kept you on the path that you were on even, say, 20, 30 years ago. And now, in, even in the a age of hype and uh, inflated um, valuations of uh, some food companies, you're s still staying the course and have no plans to, safe to say, no plans to sell or um, take uh, investment from any institutional sources? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it's just not something that we're interested in. I, when we look at could that, could an association with another company, a, um, an investment banker or somebody who, who wants to add uh, the the power of additional funds or connections or any of that, if if they would associate with us uh, to accelerate growth, uh, there's an argument that you can make for that. Mm -hmm. You can say, well, gosh, if you uh, you know if you had all these resources, yeah. uh, you could reach more people. But there's um, there's a deal with the devil in there somewhere in my in my feeling that. Um, uh, giving up the independence take would take away much of the joy that we that experience. You yeah, right. right, absolutely. And and it comes down to would it make us a better company, mm -hmm. a better company, not a bigger company? Would it make? Uh, and I just cannot see in what way it would make our products better. 
or what in what way it would make our company better or the lives of people within the company better mm-hmm. uh, I'm concerned about all of those things yeah. and I don't think it would uh, but again that's my you know that's that's our judgment that's for us right. um, yeah so not interested yeah and you've I guess you've experienced you've experienced for the last 47 years you've experienced what it is to be independent mm-hmm. and to make your own mistakes and make your own choices and see some of your plans turn into um, successes, see some of them probably fail. Um, and um, to have that independence, even even the risk of that independence slightly taken away from you, I'm sure is a, um, is, a is not a very easy decision to make. So I, I totally get that. But I think keeping that in mind, what's interesting about Follow Your Heart is you've still continued to innovate and do research and develop new products. So by no means are you are you sticking by what you've done 20 years ago? The company continues to evolve. So can you maybe tell us what your um, view is from a product standpoint? Where's your focus today? Um, and you know, what are the areas you are looking to add more value, as you put it, to your existing consumer base and reaching new people who may want to potentially buy some of these products? I actually think that innovation is uh, in today's world more important than ever mm-hmm. um, the both the the need for new products uh, and because you have to uh, the the tastes and interests of consumers are changing all the time um, and then there's the the capabilities uh, we we have over time developed more sophisticated techniques for doing things. Um, and uh, we are very focused on innovation here. Um, but we don't just, and, and I, will, I will stand by the fact, I think we have one of the greatest R&D teams uh, anyone could hope for. But it's not just about um, hiring the best and the brightest, a great deal of what we concentrate on here is uh, culture within the company and making sure that um, uh, people, that it's a mission Mm -hmm. more than a job, Um, uh, something that people really care about and something therefore that people will also derive satisfaction from. Part of having a good company is having a place that people wanna work um, and where they are able to achieve their ambitions. So, um, as far as what areas uh, we go into, I, I can't really talk too much about products that are currently in the works. Mm-hmm. I can talk about a few that um, uh, we have announced but not, uh, are not on shelves yet. And so the big three there would be our vegan, well, vegan egg mm-hmm. is, is on, on the shelf in, an, in the dry form, but the ready to use vegan egg will be coming out shortly, just poured out of the bottle. I know, I mean, to me, it's, it's really simple. You add a little cold water, you whisk it up and you got it, but <laughs> a lot of people would just like to take the lid off and pour it. So that's coming. I have a follow-up question on that product before we move to the other Okay, ones. sure. Um, was there a conscious choice to make it a powdered product? Was there a reason for that? Um, it was easier. It was easier. Okay. Yeah, and we wanted to get the product out as quickly as we could. And we understood, mm-hmm. although not fully, how complicated it was going to be. Because once it's a hydrated product, mm-hmm. you then have uh, issues of sh- getting it to have a, a, an adequate shelf life. Yeah. I. I also wanted to provide something, not only that being a dry product would last a long time on the shelf, but something that was a more economical. As soon as you add water to it, mm-hmm. and a uh, you know at this point now when you ship that product, you're shipping water. Mm-hmm. That is not added value. It's not better carbon footprint. It's not better in. Uh, uh, anyway other than the convenience that it provides to consumers and that's not to to say that should be discounted but um, the fact that we could get the other product out and not have any of those negatives Mm. was uh, a a part of our our reason but you know 
it's it's very challenging uh, to get shelf life in a natural product, mm. um, or at least it can be. Depends on the specifics of it, and, and uh, vegan egg is not a an uncomplicated product. Right. And yeah. you you know you also got to test the product in the market you, in, in in assume if there was enough demand to do a liquid wor- version of it. Yes. Um, which you as you said you you know planning to launch soon. Um, what else is um, that you can talk about? Oh, so uh, we have the rocket cakes. Rocket cakes mm. are, I don't know if you got to try them at the expo. Uh, we were sampling back then. Rocket cakes uh, are a, um, an allergen-free, uh, ancient grain, whole grain-based uh, pancake and waffle mix mm. that you, is ready to use. You squeeze it out of the bottle. A couple minutes later, you've got a pancake. And absolutely delicious. I think it's uh, just as good as any pancakes out there. But again, the challenge of the development process of that has been a very long process. Um, And uh, the concept was originally brought to us from someone outside the company. It was actually the, um, the Spork Sisters. I don't know if you... If oh, you yeah. know them, they're they're absolutely lovely people, and they um, um, do a lot of lot of good work. Train a lot of people on uh, how to prepare vegan foods, um, and they had this idea, and we said, "Hey, okay, sure, we'd like to make that product." And mm-hmm. then we got into the nuts and bolts of what it took to make it, mm-hmm. and there was a lot to be done, um, and is still being done. It's it's. Uh, there are many technical hurdles taking something from a recipe to a manufactured product. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, we do expect to launch that within a few months to get it uh, out the door. And when we do, um, I think it's going to make a lot of people happy. Mm. Uh, and then finally, the third product uh, that we showed at Expo was uh, our line of uh, dairy-free yogurts. Mm. And the I'm thrilled with those they have they have only gotten better but uh, again the processes that go into making it I mean what we showed at the show was made in our lab um, mass producing a product is another ball game that's yeah. uh, uh, particularly since we couldn't just take it to a yogurt manufacturer mm-hmm. and have that made because uh, the process is different than uh, the processes and the equipment that they use typically. So uh, there's been a lot of engineering that goes behind getting the product out. When it gets out, I'm going to eat so much of it. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I have not gotten tired of all of our, our yeah. weekly tastings and um, <laughs> Um, I, I think that's going to uh, put a smile on a lot of faces. Yeah, and what yeah. was the reason f- to go into yogurt? What, what was the driver for that? What w- were you trying to do something that was going to be different from what's out there in the market? Yeah, you know, I'm a vegan, and mm-hmm. um, I before I was a vegan, I liked yogurt. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, without taking anything away from uh, other entries in, in the market, for mm-hmm. which I have been grateful, I thought we could do something uh, beyond what ch- what had been done or what has been done so far. And uh, uh, that's kind of the, n- the name of the game for companies in this business. We, we tend to uh, keep trying to leapfrog each other and see if we can't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, outdo the last uh, try. And uh, God, I think that's uh, what could be better for consumers than, yeah. than to have a bunch of people out there competing for their dollars mm-hmm. um, and, and when I say competing I actually believe it is a friendly competition I think we are all out there I think there's room for many entrants in the market and because there are many tastes you, if you were to sit in here and, and when we are uh, doing a tasting <laughs> and you go around the table um, oh, I like my yogurt a little thicker than that. <laughs> oh, I like my yogurt thinner than that. You know, uh-huh. and you know, trying to—you're not going to please everybody. Yeah. So, um, 
That makes uh, your job tougher, though. No, my job's easy because I just have to please myself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's that's why it's good not to have investors. <laughs> right, right. So you just you make the decision, so it makes it easier. <laughs> well, I make the decision, but I don't. I I absolutely it's it's consensus. Uh-huh. You know, we are looking for how can we please the most the most mm-hmm. people. Some people are going to want more protein. Some people are going to want more. Um, uh, more sugar. Some mm-hmm. people are going to want less sugar, yeah. uh, more tang, less tang. You know, there, there's, and um, we did do. Uh, I guess it's fair to say this. Uh, we did. We did do a a, a tasting against all mm-hmm. of the other products that are out there. Uh, recently, admittedly, it was an internal panel. <laughs> <laughs> we all liked ours best. Okay. <laughs> That's great. I can't wait to try. I haven't tried. Um, I haven't tried the yogurt, so I've, I can't wait to try that. So when you think about f- ingredients for some of these new products, um, how how has that changed now versus how things used to be? Because as you said yourself earlier, consumers are starting to get more interested in this way of eating. They're asking more questions. Consumers are generally more informed these days. Um, they turn around, look at nutrition labels, and understand them. And are looking out for things that are probably um, processed or additives. Is that something um, Follow Your Heart keeps in mind to design cleaner ingredient labels and um, have less things in your products? To what extent is that the top of your mind? Absolutely, it's t- that's that's true, and that is <coughs> much harder to do than uh, you could imagine. Um, the the nature of certain things is that um, in order to provide a um, a, an authentic analog uh, you don't always get to make it out of peas and carrots Mm. Um, even if we would like to so one of the beauties of Veginase, I think, was that it was a very simple, you know, very f- simple formula. Seven ingredients, boom, all stuff you take out of your mm-hmm. fridge. Um, when you get into making a cheese analog, which eats well cold and melts, that is, uh, which is kind of the holy grail of vegan cheese, um, that is a very, very complex thing to do uh, even with no limitations that's a very difficult thing to do mm. <clears throat> if you're tr- you're trying to make it with purely vegan ingredients that have no animal origin <clears throat> and uh, nothing that is genetically modified and nothing that um, you can't obtain kosher and Mm -hmm. you know all of the the long list of um, requirements that uh, that we place when vetting products but that have the functionality that you need much of which is functionality which is didn't exist a few years ago mm-hmm. and and <clears throat> now is becoming uh, it's becoming available a little a little bit at a time as the industry that that creates base in ingredients is recognizing the need for it but uh, uh, we we apply the highest standard we can um, but we also don't want to sacrifice the final product. Mm-hmm. It's got to taste good. That's number one. It's got to be the cleanest label that we can get. Um, and I would say m- perhaps a better answer to your question is that um, that remains a value of ours that uh, we are talking a lot about here internally is how we can make our products more and more natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think there's a, 
case that can be made uh, because I, I think we're at a, at a time in history when there's a transition going on. So mm -hmm. many people wanting to move away from animal-based products. Uh, I think it's important that there be something for those people to move to on that path. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not the end of the path, and hopefully it's not, because I think there are better things for us to eat than uh, some of the analogs. But I think they serve a very important purpose. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, we're not in any way ashamed of uh, pro providing that. Mm -hmm. But there are limits to how far we would go. Yeah. We're not going to... Uh, one of the limits we place on ourselves is we don't, uh, we don't go with genetic engineering at all. And I know that uh, for high-tech companies, th they have a different viewpoint on that. Um, it just doesn't happen to be our choice. Right. And, you know, even if you do draw some uh, boundaries around the types of ingredients that you will use, you then have to figure out as a, as a product company, how are you going to be able to source that ingredient at scale to manufacture that and you know, ship it across the country. So you may find the most perfect ingredient, but the, either it's cost prohibitive or no one is supplying it. Um, and then you have these new challenges, which is... It's one thing to make that at home. It's another thing to manufacture that and sell it. Oh, absolutely. That's that's one of the big challenges we mm -hmm. have. So um, our, our yogurts, for example, um, we wanted, uh, th they are uh, coconut-based, yeah. and we wanted to not just have a uh, uh, an organic coconut. We wanted uh, something that was also certified fair trade mm -hmm. well we could get it certified fair trade if we were willing to buy eight ounce jars mm -hmm. or cans but not in in bulk mm -hmm. so um it's uh, ultimately demand from companies like us that are using very high volumes of these products will uh, persuade manufacturers to meet these requirements and they're not always available when we first go looking for them yeah yeah and you know, the, of course, as as the as you the bigger you get, the more um, the more more consumer adoption you get of certain products. Eventually, you can influence those those supply chains and and hopefully get those products from the sources that you would ideally want to get them from. Yeah, it's a matter of scale. For some people, we would be a big customer. Other people won't even talk to us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you mentioned values as being a key part of. Um, you know, I think of all your heart. One thing that stands out is the. Um, is how authentic the company has stayed and how true to its original message the the brand still is and continues to be. Um, what would you say are the sort of the core values of the company, um, and to what extent does sustainability fit into those core values? Well, you know, honesty is certainly uh, uh, one of those core values. Uh, respect for living things, all living things, is one of those core values. Uh, pretty long list, but uh, uh, sustainability, thank goodness that um, it's really coming into the public awareness um, so that people will uh, begin to examine products from through that lens we certainly do we everything that we do uh, we bear that in mind you know we uh, embarked on a project a couple of years ago to become a zero waste facility and that's we have now gotten certified uh, and at this point we're uh, diverting 97% of our inputs uh, from landfills and uh, uh, there's there's room to go even further, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but that in, involves an ongoing project that we have here. Uh, the I, gosh, it it's hard to imagine anything more important than sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, we're we are so overtaxing. Uh, the planet that we have here. Um, I, I 
don't even know if we can bring about change as quickly as we must. Uh, I would, I mean, there's already been so much lost, so many species lost, so much clean air lost, so much good soil lost, and and um, so much quality of life lost in the process that uh, for a little company like Follow Your Heart, uh, there's there's not much we can do except kind of, um, uh, you know, within our sphere of influence to do the best we can to do a good job in that area. And, and hopefully um, um, inspire others to, to do that. I think ultimately what will drive that is consumers demanding it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think they're doing that. I think larger companies are starting to listen, even if it's just to protect the bottom line. Um, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd mm -hmm. like to think that that they themselves are truly interested in sustainability, and I think people are. But I, uh, again, that's one of those problems that when uh, a, a company becomes a publicly held company, mm -hmm. um, they lose their independence and uh, compromises get made for the sake of, of uh, meeting the numbers. And uh, I, that's, that's sort of a part that I'm having a hard time figuring out personally. Mm -hmm. How do you get people to impose upon themselves things that will hurt mm -hmm. their bottom line in the short term for a long-term benefit, mm -hmm. how do you get uh, companies to, um, uh, enlist the cooperation of governmental agencies to yeah. assist in that process, uh, rather than to stand against it? Um, I don't know, but I, uh, I do believe that these things happen from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. So when people, uh, see small companies that are being successful because they're doing the right thing. Uh, that I think uh, is that's where I get my hope for the future. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know, in the broadly speaking, yes, it is um, pretty pretty dire the situation. And if companies are doing things around sustainability to because they're afraid that it's going to um, that that drain on our resources is going to eventually impact their bottom line in a negative way. I think it's already too late then. Um, so you have to do it before you even feel the impacts of um, dwindling resources, because only then do we have a chance to protect and preserve those resources. But the so that's just overall I, I see in all. And you're so right that you know once a company goes public and you're you need to show quarterly growth and things like that, it, your priorities shift and um, you can't afford to put in efforts into things like running a zero waste facility unless you can prove it's going to improve shareholder value and take your stock price up or something. Uh, in, in our case, mm -hmm. it may not have changed the, the stock price because there isn't one, but <laughs> um, it, it turned out to be a net positive. Mm -hmm. We actually... Um, we're able to design our, our zero waste program in such a way that the company is more profitable than it was before. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you could turn it into an efficiency. And, you know, there's no better place to look at that, I think, than the food industry where oh, I think... tremendous waste in the food industry. There is tremendous waste and there's... Um, and, you know, to your point where it, the change is going to come from the bottom up, there's the best proof of that is in the food industry. I think in a, the empowered consumers in the last... Uh, five to ten years have are really the reason in a, in a big way driving some of the shift we're seeing where you have these big gigantic food companies that control our food system that are eyeing smaller natural um, plant-based brands or otherwise because I think they want there's a couple of reasons they know consumers are asking for it so yeah there is a profit motive there Two, I think in the long run, they see if that's the direction where tastes are heading. And um, it allows us to also build an environmental sustainability, but also financial sustainability for um, 
say a giant meat company or a dairy the dairy industry for, is the greatest example um, they seem to be resisting it more than the meat industry but the writings on the wall people want products that are not dairy um, and today maybe it's 10% of the market share but that's growing and it's going to that 10% is going to become 20% so the natural next step is for them to to do plant-based options by virtue of them being plant-based they are more sustainable mm -hmm. but you know to and and I think you articulated it really well is that but to really make change everyone's going to have to start to do that and these pockets of effort um, partly driven by profit partly driven by maybe some meeting some sort of a halo of being eco-friendly or green to consumers we'll see some results in the short term but you know people have to keep it up and then again we live in a capitalist society and then to what extent do you then cut corners again to um to make sure you can deliver the kind of product consumers want that is but yet <laughs> um will not really make a dent in terms of the damage we've done we can't reverse and what if you can't reverse that so I know I'm kind of just echoing what you said, but um, I think it's it's something worth considering. You, and if anything, a smaller company can uh, make those decisions. Um, not even a smaller company, an independent company can make those decisions. You know, to go back to almost where we started, um, I've, I don't think it would be such a bad thing if the trend became not, let's have a startup, Let's raise a bunch of money and uh, all bail out in five years as billionaires. But rather, let's start as small and independence and grow and build a company that is self-sustaining as a private independent company um, because then we can do the right thing without any obstruction. Uh, uh, it would definitely change the landscape mm -hmm. if that became a thing. Um, I'd, I would welcome that personally. I, I think a lot of good could be done that way. I think it's, it's tough. The, the, the big food companies are really between a rock and a hard place. Um, there are cases where they've tried to do the right thing and they just got beat down for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, you, I don't think you usually get that kind of treatment when you are doing the right thing and what consumers are asking for. Right. You know, and um, I think one positive sign I would say that's happening in the investment community is there is um, more focus on um, on mission-driven investment than there has been in the past. And again, that is now becoming a trendy thing too so you know you have to be careful who you talk to there are some that are mission driven but they're also investors they expect return on investment and then there are others who are investors who are who are seeing the financial opportunity and wearing the mission driven hat um to to attract those kind of um, brands and companies and, and entrepreneurs so that is definitely a good sign because if at least th there's money and if money is going in the right places and has been driven by the right people who want to do the right things, we we do have some chance to undo some of the damage. But um, I think that's left to be seen. It's still early days for that. Um, it still probably doesn't make sense for a company your size to be looking at those options. You, you probably have more advice you can give food startups at this point or even these investors than they could give you um, on how to run your business you know I, I i obviously i know some of the investors and mm -hmm. they're you know they're they're not bad people they're good mm -hmm. people that uh their uh, um their objectives are to grow the movement mm -hmm. uh and the availability of plant-based foods um but as you say uh ultimately there is a day when people who have put their money in with those investors um expect a return and the only way you get a return is by, you know, ultimately you go through those rounds until you get to whoever uh, is big enough to buy it. That's yeah. that's really, that's the problem is that the, the people be, beyond a certain point, any company that is big enough to buy you doesn't share your values. And um, 
they may aspire to your values, mm -hmm. but they still have to answer to their investors mm -hmm. uh, who like anybody who's got a 401k or a retirement fund or uh, you know, you expect a certain return. It's not easy in today's market to invest your money uh, with, um, with, with companies who you are completely aligned with. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a task. Um, I guess I'm free of that uh, yeah. uh, because, you know, I already make enough. Yeah, you know, so it does. It doesn't really matter. And do you worry about the the future of the company, given uh, there's going to be intense competition, other new entrants developing similar, if not the same products as you, branding it differently, um, with all with, with millions of dollars backing in PR and marketing uh, and advertising? Uh, what makes Follow Your Heart outlive all of that? Because there are stories of several brands who've done it your way. Um, several companies and founders that share the same uh, outlook that you do to business. Think of Patagonia as a good example of a company that just did things differently and continues to grow, stays relevant um, and successful. They're a private company, but still um, trying to hold on to their original values. Do you worry about that a little bit in terms of um, how, what, oh, what, do you think the company has enough in terms of brand value authenticity, honesty, and um, good products that you, none of that matters, you can still, you're not going to be pushed to a corner of, uh, of uh, in a shelf in a grocery store five, 10 years from now. I don't think you can ever get complacent about that. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, keeps us on our toes, keeps us needing to innovate, yeah. needing to keep our ear to the ground. Um, I'm a big fan of Patagonia, by the way. Uh -huh, me too. Um, <laughs> I, uh, on my vacation this summer, I finally got around to, to reading uh, Yvonne's book, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, I think they're terrific, and uh, certainly one of the uh, inspirations that, that we have. Uh, they've got great people working in that company and a great mission. Um, I, I, aspire to build a company that is similar in many respects to that. Mm -hmm. uh, we may have a little bit of different uh, views about fishing Food? and stuff like <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, as, as, as so you have a lot more in common. <laughs> I think we have a lot more in common. I, I think it's important to remember that too. Yeah. I, I do respect people for the choices that they make. Um, uh, n knowing that I myself at different times in my life have made very different choices mm -hmm. than the ones I'm making today. Um, uh, I, do I worry about it? I would, I'd, I don't know if I would classify it as worry, but I would say that I view it as my mission mm -hmm. and my responsibility as CEO to look out for the welfare of the company and to try to anticipate the moves that we need to make to keep the company viable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, since we started making Veginase 40 years ago, yes, there have been a lot of entrants, you know, from uh, Boulder Brands to uh, Unilever, you yeah. know, <laughs> who now make a vegan mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of any of them, but, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think a company can have too much uh, uh, strength of their brand, yeah. um, but I do think you have to come to work every day to earn it. Yeah, that's true. So it isn't you know the story isn't going to write itself. You've got to put in that hard work on a daily basis, and um, and you know I, I've always talked to people about this when there's everyone's products taste the same, cost the same, and um, you know, are available everywhere. How do you stand out? And I think that's when um, a unique story like this is what makes you stand out because, you know, the more consumers know, the more they want to know. And um, 
once they know, okay, vegan mayo is okay, I, I'm going to buy vegan mayo. Next thing is it costs the same or it's even cheaper. It's better for me. It's better for the planet. Sounds like a good idea. Wait a minute. Wh- who's behind this brand? What are they about? And that's where, you know, you can't fake it there. You can't, yeah. uh, you can't be a copycat there. You've got to be authentic. And I think in this crowded information age with um, this very crowded natural foods um, sector with now a very cra- soon to be very crowded plant-based food industry, you're going to need those um, those original real stories to to kind of cut through all the noise because because that's the only thing that is going to grab people's attention is going to stick in people's minds and is going to stay in their fridges and in their pantries. I think in the long run. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. I think that's, uh, I, you know, I think that's what makes Follow Your Heart unique. And in my mind, it's that I think if it is when I, you know, as a consumer myself uh, of uh, some of your products, um, when I'm voting with my dollars for Follow Your Heart, I feel like I'm making a good choice, uh, not just for myself, but also I think uh, it's for a brand that I think um, uh, shares the same values. Mm. And, I, and increasingly, I think that's going to become a dominant factor in, in uh, purchasing decisions. I mean, excited really excited about the way that today's consumers are using their power when when they do vote with their dollars Um, that's powerful stuff and that will bring about change Uh, and uh, I don't know don't know how it happened but we have a generation of people who are uh, thinking like that and that more than anything will uh, I think be the salvation of what's a otherwise dire situation yeah. yeah and you know we've been talking a lot about um, sustainability the past few minutes and sort of half optimistic about it um, we are definitely down um, currently looks like we're down a path that is um, pretty scary and uh, if you continue as an indus- as a food industry overall a food system our other economic systems and that support this planet and make people money um we're going to end up in a pretty bad place 30 years from now but we still have hope and we we talked about some of that if if we can get enough people to change the way they eat to buy better products we get enough companies to do the responsible thing when it comes to manufacturing and sourcing ingredients and distribution um we could potentially change the course um, and see ourselves in a place, much better place. And as, as your company grows and succeeds, and as, as you mentioned earlier, other entrants into the space come up with better products, it's all um, positive, healthy competition, and more people are gonna buy these products. Let's assume we all are successful, right? Let's assume Follow Your Heart continues to innovate and grow. The plant-based food industry continues to go beyond just hype and trends and becomes this real force. and the big food industry companies, even if they do acquire the smaller brands, they stay true to their mission and they start to head in a direction that is using less destructive animal ingredients and more plant-based ingredients. Let's assume we are successful. What kind of world do you foresee in 2050 um, if you're, if you're successful and what role, what would you hope follow your heart? What role do you hope follow your heart will be playing in that new better world (laughs) you know um i'm an optimist so i i think there's no option Mm -hmm. to being successful in this i think when confronted with the uh the alternative you you know you can't go there you can't um i have a uh i have a sticker over on my desk it says uh, it's you know um, peace begins on your plate, you know. So when we have solved the, the issues of um, the, the devastation of the environment and the cruelty to animals, um, we still have much bigger global issues to deal with. Um, uh, it... There's, there's way too much at stake for us to not be doing everything we can to pursue peace on the planet. And um, I've, 
you know, you can get sort of overwhelmed by the enormity of that and say, you know, what can why one, one person do, you know? But ultimately, we can all do something. And what we can do is we can make choices. Um, st starting where, where we're starting with shifting away from uh, animal-based diet to something which is more supportive of the planet and the economics to under, underlie a, um, a peaceful or not so peaceful uh, situation on the planet is, uh, you know, that's, that's not a bad place to start, but it is just that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bob Goldberg. This has been a pleasure and absolute honor to spend this time with you today. Oh. Um, thank you for all your insights, and um, I look forward to seeing Follow Your Heart um, put out more delicious products and um, kind of be a leader in this space as we, we as, you point, as you said, we need to be optimistic as we hopefully look forward to a, a reformed, improved, um, more sustainable, and... Um, more just food system in the long run. Thanks. It's really been a pleasure to speak with you. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening.